this week on Two Dynamite Dudes on a Rampage. I fly solo this week to recap a wild week in AEW, which included MJF figuratively and literally taking jabs at Sting. Plus, the AEW Eliminator Tournament begins, Orange Cassidy vs. Powerhouse Hobbs, Brian Danielson vs. Dustin Rose, and Eddie Kingston vs. Lance Archer. I also talk the TBS Women's Title Tournament and how it stands out from all other tournaments. Also talk... Pac vs. Andrade 2, Cody vs. Malachi Black 3, Adam Cole and Jungle Boy gets heated up, CM Punk's fight situation, and having not having him not immediately in the main event picture. Is it beneficial or is it detrimental? And plenty, plenty more. This week on 2, 2, who? Oh, it is 2, but just 1. Dynamite Dudes on a Rampage. Dominic D'Angelo, WrestleZone.com, and it is a very, well, little bit late kind of episode of two Dynamite Dudes on a Rampage. As you can see, it's just, just one Dynamite Dude, and I'm kind of working on getting on a Rampage. I've drank a lot of coffee today, so I think that's a pretty good start. But yes, uh, we are live, and we are going to discuss plenty of happenings on AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and some outside of the box stuff too in regards when it comes to AEW. Uh, yeah, so if you're here, welcome. If you're new to the show, welcome. Usually it's me, slapdick brother Dominic D'Angelo, as well as my degenerate brother Marcus D'Angelo, but he was sick this weekend. And so he did not get to really watch a whole lot of stuff. He was more concerned with uh, getting healthy. So he's on the up and up. And uh, that's pretty good, so good for him. Uh, he'll be back next week. Uh, but yes, it's just me. And I will be taking your questions live on air, as well as uh, going over all the stuff that's happening. Um, hey, Nesha. Hey, Steven. Thanks for joining in. Uh, good to see you guys, and thanks for uh, staying with it. Even though this is a Monday episode, uh, and in, uh, you know, at the end of rush hour nearing, if you're on the East Coast. But yes, uh, Nesha, you got your Saints tonight. I know that. Uh, hopefully they can turn stuff around. Uh, my Jets can't. But anyways, I wanted to start off. I got something in the mail that I think is wrestling related. So I'm actually going to do an unboxing right now in front of you all while we all get set up and people get situated in here. So typically I'm pretty selective when it comes to buying wrestling figures. And I think this is might be one of them. Let's hope I can get the ball. They really package this one up. But we'll figure out what it is. I wanted to show off my sweet skills with a box cutter, but I don't know where it is right now because... Usually that's what I'm using at Whole Foods to open up stuff. It is a box cutter. Fortunately, I have to resort to the everyman thing of keys. Um, yeah, Marcus is doing all right, too. Uh, he's just, uh, yeah, he just got hit with the bug. I think it was starting on, like, Thursday or something. Uh, but, yeah, he's he's on the up and up now. But he's playing catch-up with everything else. And, uh fortunately, he did not get to watch any of the – which I thought overall, Rampage – I thought exceeded uh, AW Dynamite this week. I don't know. What do you guys think? What is this? Is this what I think it is? I don't know what this is yet. 
Because I just ordered this. If this is something, what else I'm thinking it is? Oh, I think. Oh, this is it. All right. All right. Like I said, I'm pretty selective. I, I mean, obviously, when I was a kid, I used to buy wrestling figures all the time. All the time. But now I am pretty darn selective just because it's like, you know, I don't I don't play with them. So I have some over here on my shelf, but I, I very much pick and choose. I'm not like I don't go nuts when it comes to it. But this one I had to get. And this is it indeed. And it's fitting because uh, it's for Halloween. Halloween season is upon us. And so therefore, I hope this is engaging. This is not engaging via podcast if you're listening via that. So I do apologize, but I will describe it for you all so this is what i got in the mail oh yeah roddy piper let's see if i can center this a little bit more roddy piper via they live i could not pass that up um i was actually roddy piper for the roddy piper for halloween a few years ago as his character in they live so i was like dang i gotta get this this is like so unique i didn't have a roddy piper figure besides that ljn figure i have back there that's the only one i have but i was like i should get a roddy piper figure. so there it is my unboxing. <laughs> I might clip that up later on just to show off. Show off. See, we'll put them right in front of Batman. Michael Keaton, Batman for now. But... All right. Well, let's get to it. Yeah, Piper's great. Let's get to it. Uh, we'll start here. Uh, one of my big takeaways for this week. Now, it wasn't really heavily advertised throughout the week, but something that I thought was just super well done, and I didn't even make a banner for it, believe it or not. So let me make up a banner here real quick. But, yeah, it was... um. It flew under the radar. It wasn't, there was nothing advertised about it, but it's been an ongoing storyline. But I thought this was such a huge takeaway. And I'm a big promo guy. Obviously, I think that's what really kicks wrestling a lot. You can be skilled in the ring. And obviously, that's very important. And obviously, that's why we watch is violence, good versus evil, all that kind of stuff. But I think a huge takeaway why The Rock was so big, why Austin became so big, uh, you name it, why Dusty Rose became so big, Terry Funk. It's because of promos. And so uh, I thought MJF this week delivered one heck of a promo. Uh, and I got to say, I think it just comes in the matter of uh, he knows how to build a feud. And he's one of those rare guys that you can see in wrestling today that isn't afraid to walk that edge. And man, does he walk the edge with these promos? Blurring the lines? We all know he's a heel. And we know all know that it's like, you know, he stays to that too but it's also um he lives it he lives the whole thing and so uh you don't see that a whole lot in today and i just interviewed ethan page uh, a couple weeks ago and he mentioned that how social media is wrestlers got to stay off social media a lot more and kind of keep that air of mystery about them and um mjf is on social media but he's great on social media and how he is um so but i just wanted to start that off with the show this way because um i thought him he really leaned into being a heel this week like really leaned into uh what he said not only in regards to like obviously his feud with sting and darby but geez like saying that stuff about lex luger obviously he's a he's a student of the business and a student of the game so i'm sure all that got like you know approved and you know, he's got the blessings of other people because he is he very much respects the business, uh, as you could tell with that Fargo strike. He started off uh, walking out by it. It's he's a he's a student of the game. So it was cool to see 
that kind of thing. I wonder how much people get upset, but that's the whole point of it is to get upset about it and to cultivate that feud where you want to see Darby kick his ass. Um, so uh, I really like that. What do you guys think about all that part? Uh, feel free to chime in. Uh, let's see. Rich, hey, how are you doing? Oh, you just got the part? I didn't even know they made a Funko Pop of Piper as John made up. That's pretty awesome. I was not aware of that. Um, Mike Seals are a major plus, uh, Nesha. Uh, yes. Uh, the Lex part got me too. So it was, I thought it was just a huge takeaway from, from this, uh, episode of Dynamite. And I think honestly, like maybe the highlight of the show. Well, uh, I can't too much say that because I was a huge fan and well, this is a perfect segue into the next topic is, um, the Eliminator tournament starting off and two of my favorite guys, um, Dustin Rhodes and Brian Danielson kicking off the show like that. Uh, man, what a resume uh, Danielson is building up in AEW when it comes to opponents and matches and storytelling in those matches. And Danielson is, I think, the ultimate babyface in pro wrestling right now just because his organic ability to connect with fans from a from just who he is as a person but also what he's able to convey in the ring. And he's he's somebody, too, that can walk that fine balance of heel babyface in the ring from an in-ring work perspective. Because do you notice there was a lot of heelish stuff that he's capable of doing in the ring? Obviously, when he's a heel, he can do that. But when he's a babyface, too, he doesn't he's not afraid to walk in that line either. And, um, you know, the viciousness that he shows, I think it was Meltzer or somebody mentioned that on the podcast is like on their show is that uh, he's able to... Uh, convey being a heel if need be and stuff like that and he does that like um it'll be interesting to see how him and eddie play off of one another next week when it comes to the next match oh my cat's throwing up right now but um yeah <laughs> it's i liked that match a lot it, and specifically too you look at dustin's work uh being 52 i believe he is and capable of doing what he's able to do in the ring and just a pro two pros kicking off dynamite this week it was it's something that i would be like all right if i'm getting a so-called i guess collage of of matches that i love i loved in AEW so far that would be one of them like you know that thunder rosa Britt baker this is just off the top of my head uh pock versus orange cassidy at revolution that would be another one uh the tag match between uh the bucks and the lucha brothers cm punk's debut i could go on but that would be one of the matches i've added to the list too ricky stark's debut against uh, cody rhodes all those get all those matches would really come into play for me uh but yes uh brian versus mox in the final eliminator yes steven i think that's where it's gonna go and that's really i think how it should go but i think what's interesting about it is doesn't it seem I Marcus and I talked about this last week? Doesn't it seem like Mox is turning heel? Like in a lot of ways. Um, I think that you know, I was saying they could take their time with it, and maybe they are taking their time with it. I'm totally fine with that. Even if he doesn't have a full-blown heel turn, I'd like to see one at some point. But if he's kind like his promo was great too, by the way. Speaking of promos, holy crap, what a promo he delivered too. Where it made me question too at first. I was like, is that what you want to say? Like to an audience is like, Hey, the title doesn't matter. The tournament doesn't matter. What matters is me making out in one piece to go and see my daughter. I think that's a good promo, but I'm like, is that kind of contradictory? Because like, you know, but it, I think it works. I think it works. And I think, uh, he brought 
some organic feeling to that promo. And so uh, him versus versus Danielson in the finals will be something something to really uh, look forward to. Now, I wouldn't say friend of the show, Eddie Kingston versus Mox in the finals could tell a very good story as well. And I will say, too, that Mox versus Orange Cassidy, they've set some groundwork up for that, too. Where I also think that Orange Cassidy, like, and, you know, John Mox just destroying Wheeler, Utah in, like, a few seconds like he did uh, last week, uh, really set some groundwork for maybe at least, at the very least, Mox being in the heel role of things throughout this tournament. Not Maybe not necessarily a full-blown heel turn, but just playing the role as a heel uh, in accordance to uh, Orange Cassidy's babyface. So, uh, yes, I thought that was... Um, that's They've set this tournament up very nicely. Now, obviously, what was scary about it was um, two of my other favorites, friend of the show, Eddie Kingston, and Lance Archer and what happened in that match. Obviously, that was going to be hard-hitting, and I was so intrigued to see what they were going to do to uh, finalize uh how how that match was going to finish and uh you know how eddie was probably going to get through that whole thing but uh unfortunately we saw the moonsault that happened and where lance archer landed hard on his head and uh, they had to shorten the match up uh you know after he was checked on by dr sampson and all that stuff so that was really scary i'm so glad to see that lance archer who's one of my modern favorite wrestlers today is okay and doing good um but yeah, very scary stuff. Obviously, you don't want to see that happen. And it took me out of the show, to be honest, for a while because I'm just, I was just so concerned about like, hey, is he okay? What's going to happen? Like, I hope he's okay and everything like that. Uh, I know that shot. <laughs> you got to get those Eddie shout outs at. Uh, James Espanto, Fernando Tuai. Good to see you too. Thanks very much. Uh, appreciate always the plugs. Um, yeah, I was initially, uh, in regards to Danielson and Rhodes, I was surprised it opened up the show too. I think it was pretty appropriate for how they laid out everything but uh yeah i was surprised obviously that's like a those two are personal favorites of mine so me wanting them to go on main event i could totally have seen that too um then max oh mox should stop the hardcore matches do you mean in regards to if he turns heel or oh do you mean oh regarding his daughter i see what you're saying getting out one piece that makes sense uh yeah he should kind of do that may see that could be another thing that like, hey, we people love Mox for him being ruthless and hardcore. What if he cuts that out? Kind of almost like Mick Foley did in ECW, where he was the corporate guy in a lot of ways, and he did not play into all the extreme rules of extreme championship wrestling. So that would be a another new take on it. Plus, Mox has past ties with Foley too, as we know. So that'd be neat, pretty neat to see, I think, overall as well. Um, yes. But I thought the tournament and how they're setting up the eliminator tournament has been very well done. Some intriguing matches and some more to come to. Uh, it'll be really cool to see what the finals pan out as. I'm pretty sure it's probably going to be Mox and Danielson. But heck, you know, uh, it, it would be pretty wild to see Eddie and Mox go at it too at, at full gear and, and Danielson going to something else. But I got to think it's going to be Danielson and Mox. And maybe Danielson beating Mox further sets up John Moxley as a heel. Not saying it's going that route, but it kind of looks that way. I get that vibe. At least I get that vibe. Um, another tournament going on is the TBS Women's Title Tournament. I think that's. Uh, I think there's a lot of cool intrigue about that as well. I actually wanted to pull up the bracket too. But what was what's been, what I think was such a neat takeaway is heck. If you're familiar with NFL, if you're familiar with. Um, I'm trying to think what other 
team. Maybe they're the only ones. I think NHL, but if you're familiar with playoff brackets, there's buys that happen, bye weeks. You know, if you earn your keep, you're going to get a buy in a tournament uh, when it comes down to the playoffs at the end of the season. And um, I think it's pretty cool that AEW utilized bye weeks. You don't see that in anything else. You didn't. You don't see that in the King of the Ring. You don't see that in the Queen of the Crown tournament, which we'll get. I'll touch upon that in a little bit. But um, I think them doing bye weeks is pretty damn cool. So like Nyla Rose, I believe has a bye. Uh, Thunder Rosa, friend of the show, has a bye. Um, oh my gosh, who else? Jade Cargill, does she have a bye? Yeah, Jade has a bye. And then who else was there? There's one more. There's one more woman that has a buy in, in in the tournament. If you can help me out, let me know before I pull it up. Um, but I thought that aspect and um, you know some of the women in the in the show playing like, hey, you know they got to earn it. Like they got to earn it. Even Ruby Soho who lost to Britt Baker. It makes sense that she's in one of the opening rounds and trying to prove her stuff. Statlander, thank you, Steven Statlander. That's who it is. Um, <laughs> it's funny yeah your mindset i'm sure your mindset does change as a parent uh very much i'm sure it does and, and for the better i would say too because it just kind of grounds you out and uh makes you focus on somebody you know, actually marcus it's pretty funny marcus and i had a conversation about that today uh you know in regards to uh being a parent and all that stuff and you know how i'm just kind of like hey i can't find myself living outside of a city right now i just don't see myself that way and my priorities are like very much in my career right now. So, but he, he get, he get, we got a pretty interesting talk off the air, obviously, but in regards to that, but yes, uh, that does kind of change your priority. So it would be, it's kind of neat that they play into that. Uh, and it, it would especially be neat too, where it's like somebody you can empathize or sympathize with in regards to Mox, because heck he's a parent and that's a cool thing. He's a, he's loves his daughter. That's a very cool thing uh and your priorities do change but <laughs> what if that became like a heel tool that he used or it's like hey mox we get it i i love that you love being a dad and but what if he was just like yeah i don't give a shit about anybody here anymore and he basically said that in a way but uh his priorities have changed so it, it would be kind of neat to kind of blur the lines uh from a baby face and heel perspective but also, he's just blurring the lines, just being true to himself, too, which is, I think, super neat, too. Um, yes, Statlander and Soho. Yes, that's going to be a great match. I agree, too. And I don't think somebody's got to play a heel in that role. I, I'm all for a babyface versus babyface match and them just throwing, tearing the house down. And um, which brings me to something I didn't even put on uh, the lineup was uh, Britt Baker versus Anna Jay on Rampage, I thought was a great match. And uh, obviously, like, Anna Jay's relatively still green in, in a lot of regards, but I thought it really conveyed that you don't have to be silky smooth or have match the match go moves go through seamlessly and executed seamlessly to have a really rock-solid match. Because if we're being honest, fights themselves are not silky smooth. They're fights. Shit happens. Like you miss punches, you do all this stuff. You, uh, you know, it's not, it's not ballet. <laughs> and uh, I think having that kind of match uh, really kind of mixed it up a little bit and shook up, you know, 
some of the smoothness that we do see in AEW when it comes to some uh, matches being executed where there's such like awe-inspiring athleticism that go down, you know, and, and uh, you know, high-flying and, you know, topes and you name it, all that kind of stuff goes down where, hey, moves get executed. You look at the, the main event later on. It was hard-hitting, but it was smooth because those guys are, are such pros. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, uh, yes, I thought uh, that match was a good setup for Anna Jay. Builds the story with Ty Conte and, uh, Ty Conte and uh, Britt Baker. Uh, I really liked this episode of Rampage a lot this week. Um, let's see. Yes, Conte and Baker looks like full gear. It is full gear, actually, Stephen. They they'd made that announcement, I think, on Dynamite officially uh, that it's going to go down. Um, winner of Statlander versus Soho going to the final against Thunder Rosa or Jade. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I don't know. I think it's going to be Soho going to defeat Statlander. I think, I think this is, this is my prediction here. So uh, Thunder Rosa will advance whoever she faces in the bye and she'll defeat Jade. She'll get her win back against Jade. And then um, Jade will screw over Soho, not Soho, uh, Thunder Rosa. And um, then we'll get Ruby Soho, I think, ultimately winning the whole damn thing. So I, if I make a prediction, I will say that Ruby Soho will be the first TBS women's champion. That's my prediction. And uh, then this will set up a feud, a further feud between Thunder Rosa and Jade Cargill. Where ultimately, I think Thunder Rosa wins that. And heck, she's, the thrill of the chase continues for Thunder Rosa in regards to Britt Baker's title, who I think should, she should ultimately unseat uh, Britt Baker, which I think we'll, we'll see. That's my prediction. If you guys have a better idea or, or thoughts about that, chime on in. Chime on in. Um, I know I'm kind of all over the place. But yeah, I very much like the TBS title tournament. I think that title looks badass and super cool. It's very much on the lines of the, the TNT title, but uh, I think that's okay. You know what I mean? I think it's good shit. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, let's see what we got next. Yes. So, we just talked about this. Pac versus Andrade 2. Damn. What a match. Match of the week. Uh, I would say overall in wrestling entirely. Maybe I can't say that because I did not watch uh, Blood Money 6. And I did not watch SmackDown, but I'm pretty safe assuming that uh, Pac versus Andrade superseded all those. Because <laughs> damn, that was a hell of a match between two guys that know that what the heck they're doing in the ring, and um, told just a back and forth story where it was like it was seamless, but it was intense. And uh, I th I don't think as a wrestling fan you could ask for much better than that. It was really damn good. Um, so, hey, the series is even. When's that rubber match going to happen? I don't mind if it's a year down the line or whatever. You know, make some build to it. And it seems like they're doing build at that by blending it into uh, Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. And that was such a cool ending to the show of Rampage was, heck, I'm a huge Arn Anderson fan. Obviously, Marcus works for adfreeshows.com. Uh, so we all have our – we have our – Wagon hitch to, to Arn in a lot of ways because we're such fan, uh, admirers of him. But uh, I I loved him 
doing the finger gunpoint where it all ties into his Glock. And uh, Cody came out charged from behind and attacked uh, Malachi Black. And uh, that's how the show ended until we got to Dynamite. So let's see if you have it, guys. Have any hope? Pac versus Andrade rematch for full gear. Yeah, like I would be. I think they should wait. Honestly, Stephen, I don't think they should pull 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 the trigger again so much that quick. I want to see it kind of play out where heck you have a tag match with uh, Cody and uh, Pac against uh, Andrade and Malachi Black. I think that would be uh, well played too. Heck, you look at how Andrade comes out to the ring in the black mask. Uh, kind of makes sense him and Malachi form in an alliance. I think that's pretty darn good. And it's elevating Andrade to uh, to uh, the level he should be getting at because, um, you know, uh, he was just kind of – I don't want to say he was lost in the shuffle when it came to uh, – when he made his debut, but there was a lot going on at that time and um, trying to find the right fit for him, as well as conveying who he is as a wrestler and a star, I think took a little bit of time. You had Chavo helping out a little bit. You had Vicky Guerrero first starting off. Um, but this whole storyline, not only against Pac, but mixing it in and blending it in with Malachi Black and Cody, I think makes a lot of sense uh, as far as building Andrade to the next level. So I'm intrigued to see it more. Um, I'm curious. We'll talk about Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes three, uh, which ended this, this, uh, Andrade and Pac ended, uh, rampage, but, uh, Cody versus Malachi Black three ended dynamite. And you know what? That was like a wild, wild bout. I, I did like it. I I'm always a fan of Cody matches and, you know, um, cause it is kind of a classic, you know, Florida, Eddie Graham, um, Southern wrestling kind of thing, where I think AEW needs a lot of that uh, to, to balance out the scales of what you see in regards to other matches too. Uh, and so I think Cody plays a good balance to those scales as well as other wrestlers do too, like a Ricky Starks and um, CM Punk um, all kind of balance everything out where it's like, heck, it's not just the move sets that get done, but it's the story that's being told as well. And um, so this match, you know, fast paced, but uh, reportedly it, it seemed to have to speed up a little bit because of some timing issues nearing the end. Uh, but ultimately, like, I like the match. Uh, I think it ended appropriately for the story that they were telling. The issue is, and I was curious about this the other night, was Cody being a, like, getting booed. Uh like you look at Rampage, he was getting cheered, you know, after he attacked uh, Black and kind of even the odds for Pac and stuff to close out Rampage. But like, I was curious, like if the story with Arn and him, if that was all going to play into can Cody get cheered and Orlando booed Cody. Like, you know, a lot of fans were in favor of Malachi Black winning. And so, um, and Cody's aware of that, obviously. Like, he's aware of how that goes and, you know, how, how the story will further get conveyed and all that stuff. But, I mean, it's a lot. Like, I don't know how how they should go about it, to be honest. I'm curious how they're going to go about it. Um, do I think Cody should turn heel? I, I don't know. I don't know, to be honest, you know, because 
I think there's definitely some legs into having Cody turn heel and it does make sense, but I, you know, um, I don't know. I think there's some intriguing stories that can be played. You know what? I'm thinking about it more as, as just, you know, as you know, as the show here goes on and I think uh, Cody could kind of get away with turning heel and I would be all right with it. There's a lot to run off of, you know, especially if he turned on Arn. Holy crap. Could you imagine Arn's like, Arn's like the big baby phase of his whole storyline. So if you, if you had Cody, like, be like, you know what? You didn't help me and all that stuff that not only, I think that would, that, yeah, I'm thinking about it more. And like, if Cody turns heel on Arn, you think about the guys in, in the wings that would benefit from that. So obviously you're thinking of like other, other baby top baby faces in, in AEW, but you look at the, the nightmare family. So you look at Brock Anderson, and you look at Lee Johnson, imagine them going up against a heel Cody and what that would do for them and uh, everything like that, where you're like laying the groundwork for not only establishing some potential new stars, homegrown stars from AEW. Hey, my cat Dusty's going to make a run in. Uh, but you're establishing, you know, uh, Cody as being one of your top, top heels to go against somebody like a babyface Brian Danielson or a babyface CM Punk or a babyface hangman page. Hello, Dusty. Um, but yeah, I think I, th I'm more so on the boat of, uh, Cody turning heel and Steven, I'm with you. I think this, that was you that made that comment. Let me say, Oh, Nesha made the comment. Yes. I love Cody too. I think Cody is great. Um, I, he's just, he's a classic wrestler and you know, he knows the business. He has a, so obviously his ties to the history of the business and, um, you know, he knows how to handle himself when it comes to uh, establishing and building yourself as a star. And I think that's always something admirable in wrestling. And there's nothing wrong, too. I'm going to say this, too. And this is across the board in wrestling and uh, from any kind of level. It's a-okay to have an ego. I think it's almost a necessity to have an ego in wrestling to kind of be your top star. Now, Daniel, Brian Danielson is one guy I think that can... And that's what makes him so unique is he doesn't need to have an ego to get away with it. And he even, but he even can convey an ego because he's like, I'm the best wrestler in the world. So like, that's, that's grinding at it. But like, even that, like Brian Danielson doesn't need to have an ego to be over. But I think a lot of stars, and this goes all throughout the history of the business from Bruno San Martino to Dusty Rhodes to uh, you name it. Heck, Luthez, like all these guys, Bret Hart, all these guys. CM Punk all had to have some sort of ego. Austin too. And so uh, I think that's a very important part of wrestling. And, um, you know, if wrestlers are able to convey that to fans, have that freedom to convey that to fans, then you're, that's, that's making money right there. That is producing money. So uh, yes, uh, Cody knows how to handle himself. And I think ultimately wherever this goes, and I, I, I'm more on the side now of, heck, he should turn heel. Uh, it will pay off. There'll be a good payoff for it, you know, because that's the name of the game. Making money in wrestling, that's the name of the game. Yes, Nesha, egos come with the job exactly. So, um, yes, he said it on Roads to the Top, he won't turn heel. Heck, a lot of stuff gets said in wrestling. A lot of stuff gets said in NFL. You know, uh, that's not always the thing. Uh, so, you know, I just 
keep optimistic about it. Uh, Jeff Jarrett is somebody that's, what did he say? Delusionally optimistic. And that's the way to be in regards to wrestling, in regards to anything, building your career, uh, life in general. I don't think there's anything wrong with being a little bit delusionally optimistic, being like, hey, this could kind of work out. And then, you know what? This seems a little impossible, but heck, it could happen. <laughs> I like having that mindset. I I feel fortunate that I kind of have that mindset a lot of ways. Uh, yes. Uh, looks like Fish is a heel. Fixing up Punk versus Fish, had they ever faced each other in ROH? You know, if I had to venture guess, I would say, yeah, but maybe not. Um, I don't know, to be honest. I would be intrigued to YouTube that and try to see if there's there's a history. I'm sure they do have some sort of history together. Uh, Bobby Fish is like 47, so it's he's older than Punk. Um, is he 47 or like 45? Either way, uh, he's older than Punk, so I could imagine they faced each other. You know, um, I'll have to look into that. Uh, if anybody wants to look into that while we're on the show, go ahead. If not, that's fine too. But uh, yeah, uh, Bobby Fish, he's had, I mean, you want to talk too about an early track record for AEW matches and stuff like that? Bobby Fish is laying a good groundwork for that too. Now, uh, something I did want to touch upon today that I kept in the matter of topics that pertains to this is happens to be with, regarding CM Punk and regarding, oh, did I not make a banner for this? What the, man? All right. So I guess I didn't make a banner for it, but we'll talk about it anyways here is CM Punk. So if you listen to other podcasts and uh, get some other insight, like, and talking to friends that aren't involved in wrestling or wrestling writing, just friends that are wrestling fans. Uh, there was some concern about like punk and if his star is not getting enough shine because he's not immediately in the main event picture. I want to get your guys' perspective on this too. Do you think putting him against, I'm intrigued by these matches and, um, I'm looking, I look forward to them because they're going to be good matches and Punk knows how to tell a story. But do you think it's contradictory to not have Punk in a main event thing and be like, wow, okay, like heck, uh, I can't wait. Uh, this is all completely hypothetical. I'm just throwing the it just, you know, perspective uh, to add, a, add a, just a perspective to it is, heck, I would love to see, I can't wait to see CM Punk versus Kenny Omega at full gear for the, the title. Like, but obviously that wouldn't make sense. I'm just using Kenny Omega as an example. But like, do you think him not being a main event right in the main event has leveled him out? Or is it building other stars up as well as building a story to him? So uh, I'm going to, I'll, I'll be straight out here and said, I've listened to Cornette's podcast and what he had to say about it. And that was what he said about it is like, He's just becoming a guy. And, you know, I think it's kind of a different time in regards to a lot of stuff. So I, I see the point that's trying to be made with that. And that, heck, you want to preserve Punk for special moments and to make him continue to be that big deal that he is. But there's also, I think, a story being told. And there's also, you have to consider this too. Now, while AEW does do pay-per-views and, and, and things like that, they are a television business. So for them to, to not kind of – if you just had Punk showing up week in and week out and try – either A, he joins commentary, you know, or B, he just comes out, cuts a promo, 
hey, CM Punk's talking tonight. And that's kind of where they were starting off with. I think what they're doing here is they're trying to get some get some eyes on the product and get CM and CM Punk's your star. So if you're in the television business and you're putting him against guys that you that will a benefit from wrestling punk and b establishing a story for punk to go along with where i think he's kind of like hey he's been out of the business for 7 years he's been out of the ring for 7 years and now he's trying to to hang with these current day stars i think is a story that they're telling and something that you will build to because i think you know, the hypothetical is like Punk's facing Wardlow at full gear or something. That's what, if you're going by what Tony Khan's uh, sheet at the Jacksonville Jaguars game said, I think uh, it was Punk versus Wardlow. But if you're building, I mean, obviously, the if that's the case, the next step is going to be a heel like MJF, where, bam, that's a whole lot of money hitting there because you have a top heel and you have a top baby face. And so... um I don't think it's detrimental to punk. I think it's just kind of a, ne- a necessity to have at this moment in time for AEW because, I mean, you're kind of uh, not, you're kind of, I don't want to say insulting the fans, but you're you're kind of not playing into uh, being forthright with fans if you're just like, hey, punk's showing up. He's cutting a promo here this week. Oh, he's on commentary this week. Everybody's going to be like, why is he wrestling? <laughs> like, what's what's going on here? And you can't give away, if you want to hold on to these big matches, you can't give away big matches where he's facing somebody, a big name on television. You can't do that. I mean, obviously you are in the TV business, but you want to keep, keep holds of that because you want to make those matches feel like the big deal that they're going to be. So while I, I see that what my friends... And uh, somebody maybe like, you know, like a cornet or whoever else has that kind of viewpoint of like, hey, you know, uh, CM Punk's kind of, you know, you're leveling him out. I, I understand maybe that viewpoint, but I also see from a viewpoint of, hey, you're trying to you're trying to continue p- get people to watch a television product. And, you know, that's the business they're in. They're not in the live event product. They're not in the pay-per-view product. They're not even right now, like in the streaming service product. They are on the television product and getting ratings. That's their primary focus. So from that perspective, I think you got to have CM Punk do some matches. And if you're you're trying to elevate stars like a powerhouse Hobbs and uh, a Daniel Garcia and like uh, just having a, a good clash like a Bobby Fish and Punk, then that makes sense. Now I will say this, that I think I would love to see a little bit more build than just a week for some, something like a Bobby fish and a punk. I would love to see Bobby fish cut a promo. I would love to see all that stuff. And I'm sure they're still going to probably do that throughout maybe on Friday before, you know, punk. No, I'm sorry. Geez. The dynamite is this Wednesday. So he would have to do it to show up. So uh, yes, in that regard, I would like to see a little bit more build into this stuff where it's like, Hey, and I understand you're on a time kind of situation and you got to fit everything in, but I think that's important enough to have something like that happen. Uh, let's see if I haven't looked at comments. So let's see what you guys are saying. Oh, Nesha, your food is ready. <laughs> I'll see you later. Uh, let's see. Wonderful. See punk versus Danielson. Steven says, 
that will be a great main event anywhere. Yes, I'm sure we'll see that. I am very sure we'll see that. I think even before that, we're going to see um, Punk and Danielson team up. So um, people are starting to get burned out. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think, I don't think, I wouldn't say burnout, maybe getting used to it. But like I think there's still plenty of intrigue in uh, seeing a CM Punk promo because he's so damn good at him. Like I, if you're telling me, um, YouTube, say uh, this is hypothetical again, the A the AEW streaming, uh, CM Punk has an announcement to make, or there's a set of matches on AEW Dark, but Punk is gonna speak there. There'd be something I would want to tune into. Is that so? I get what you're saying. Like it's becoming normal to see CM Punk promos, but I think that's just the name of the game at this point too, is like, you're going to see that. That's going to, that's what's going to happen. So yes, there we go. Let's see what else we, we got. I have here on the list. Um, yes. Uh, Adam Cole and jungle boy. So jungle boy had a squash match with Brandon Cutler. And I thought that was well executed. I long time. "Quote unquote friend of the show Brandon Cutler. He was actually Marcus and I's first uh, AEW interview before he even signed on to AEW. It was actually um, it was actually, oh God, what was the name of our show back then? I can't even remember what our name of your show was back then. But um, it, he was like Marcus and I's first uh Russell's own interview. Hey, sorry, Dusty was doing something here. Uh, but yeah, he um." So that match, though, I thought made sense and built to the story of Adam Cole and Jungle Boy. Or is that something we're going to see? Or are we going to see a multi-man tag at full gear? Um, I would personally think would like to see. Um, uh, sorry, Dusty's doing weird shit again. Dusty, hey, come over here. Um, I would personally like to see Jungle Boy and Adam Cole go one on one at full gear. I just think that makes sense. From a pay-per-view perspective, hey, that's something to see. That's something you want to pay to see, I think. Is Adam Cole and Jungle Boy go one-on-one? -on -one? Because that's going to be a hell of a match. <laughs> Is it not? It's going to be a hell of a match. Um, you know, uh, heck, you don't want the car to get too loaded either. You know, I, I don't think either. Because uh, I think there's something to be said for having a good set of matches on a pay-per-view card. But also, the balancing out the amount of matches with the quality of matches. Uh, I think there's, there's an importance to that. So those matches that you have on the card seem a little bit more important as well. So heck I'm all right with them kind of waiting a little bit too. Oh, <laughs> talk about AEW dynamite losing to a SmackDown repeat. Melly Mel. All right. Well, I mean, look, this kind of leads into something I wanted to talk about anyways, was, Hey, uh, you know what? If you put AEW and you put SmackDown one on one with one another, uh, and this was not a SmackDown repeat, was it? If that's what you're referencing, I mean, this was actually an actual SmackDown. Oh, is this is this the new ratings you're talking about? This might be the new ratings you're talking about, aren't? Is it not? Maybe that's it. I don't know uh, if that's what you're talking about. Either way, let me say this: you're putting AEW up against SmackDown one on one. I think a lot of uh, WWE fans look at it from this perspective is like, okay, yeah, you're looking at as them as, Hey, you know, WWE should be the primary product. And, you know, again, I think in a lot of ways, if you're a certain age, that's what you're going to think. 
is that WWE is the wrestling product. If you're not old enough to remember WCW or heck AWA or I could go on NWA Crockett promotions. I'm not old enough for that. I'm old enough for WCW, but if you're not old enough to see see when AW uh, I'm sorry, WWE had legitimate competition, then you're going to be yeah, uh WWE is the end all be all. And I'm going to say too you, where I'm getting at here is if AEW, you put AEW up against SmackDown, WWE, and heck, you put it up even against a Raw at this point. I will say AEW is the better product, is the better product. But I will also say that you put, you move AEW Dynamite to Monday night at 8 p.m. on TBS even at this juncture. I think Raw would still, just because of the foundation it has laid out over the course of 20 years and over the course of the familiarity of Monday Night Wrestling, that 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 Raw would beat AEW in the ratings to start off. And I would also say that considering SmackDown is on Fox, a broadcast network television station, a huger audience, uh, and just, yes, that established brand that you're familiar with, then you will, that SmackDown will beat AEW Dynamite in the ratings. This is something that over the course of time takes time. AEW is not going to immediately punch WWE in the mouth, nor would any other product in competition with another product. So I'm trying to think what would be a good comp to this, but Obviously, the NFL is, and nothing, nothing will ever top the NFL in regards to another football league. That would not happen. That would not happen. But uh, hypothetically, um, if the NFL was completely changed their rules of how the National Football League is run and how football is played, uh, things totally change. Players totally change. You take out a whole bunch of aspects of football that people love. Uh, and then say this other product, this other league comes out, hey, we embrace those rules that the NFL used to have, then it's going to take some time for a new league to establish a name, a brand, and a reputation, no matter how good it is or anything like that. So, <laughs> AEW, <laughs> y'all lost. Why is it y'all? This is just an AEW show, Millie. Uh I like good wrestling. So, uh, and covering AEW is what I do. So, uh, it's, I don't think, <laughs> I think you're a little misguided on this. I, I embrace and enjoy your correspondence, though. However, I will say that AEW is trash. Uh, Melly, if you could give more of an explanation of why you feel that way, go right ahead. Because uh, I'm just for good wrestling and, uh, I don't think WWE is very, delivering very good wrestling at the moment. Uh, I just don't. And I also feel this is what you're, thankfully you did bring this up because this is kind of what I wanted to talk about uh, was the out of the box conversation of Eric Bischoff and uh, him on 83 weeks, him and Tony Khan going back and forth. Now, if you're familiar with this, uh, Eric Bischoff, Tony Khan basically said, uh, had voiced his opinion about, you know, competition to Melly's point of 
WWE and all this kind of thing. And, and he gave his viewpoint on that. And then Eric Bischoff was forthright in his opinion of saying how he felt about Tony Khan's comments. And then Tony Khan came back with those comments saying, Hey, you know, uh, glass houses, all that kind of thing. This is all paraphrasing. I do encourage you, whoever you are, whether you're Melly or another person on here that's an AEW fan, to look into what Eric Bischoff specifically said and also to what Tony Khan specifically said. Um, but both the opinions got voiced. And I will say, like I just said, uh, from a rating standpoint, if you put one and one against one another, right now, right now, because of the reasons I just said, WWE would win against AEW. But from a quality of a wrestling product and what's being done right now, uh, I think the the wagon to hitch to if you're a wrestling fan is AEW. So, but what I'm getting at here is um, it's Bischoff took exception to what Tony Khan said too in regards to Ted Turner. I just transcribed this right before he got on the air. So uh, took uh exception to what Tony Khan said about Ted Turner knowing 1% of the wrestling business while he uh well like different while Tony Khan uh was not you know there for how everything unfolded whether Ted Turner was a fan of wrestling or not Tony Khan is an established fan of wrestling and has been but it's unknown how long Ted Turner was a fan of wrestling before he got in the wrestling business so basically what I'm trying to get at here is Bischoff voiced his opinions. Tony Khan voiced his opinions. Uh, Bischoff obviously knows the business. Tony Khan is new inside of the business, but knows a lot about how things should be marketed, um, television, uh, and how a product is. Obviously, being the son of an NFL owner, the biggest product there is going on television overall across the board is the NFL. So being familiar with all that stuff, Tony Khan has a lot of knowledge too. And even Bischoff said in his argument against Khan that Tony Khan is a brilliant person, but a lot of, like he feels a lot of ignorant stuff got said. What I think, what I think would be great is to have these two work together, Bischoff and Tony Khan, because I think what's great about wrestling and what's, it's all these different personalities in the business and these different perspectives in the business. Now, let's see. Uh, I'm looking at comments here. Okay. So Melly did not respond. She's just laugh crying. She's laugh crying right now. That's, this is the only response I got. So <laughs> that's fine. Um, Southern term. Why y'all? <laughs> um, Jeremiah says, AW has not been good since Grand Slam. I disagree with that. Uh, but I will say this week, Dynamite maybe not was not to the level it has been at over the past course of the weeks. It's still a good show, but I don't think it was to the level it, it has been at over the course of of what they've been doing since uh, Grand Slam or even before that with Punk. Uh, this was, uh, if Marcus was giving his multi-rate, I'm curious what he would give it this week, but obviously he's not here. Um Steven says, I'm fine with con trash talking, but it will get old and may lose some viewers because of it. You know, um, I don't know if it would necessarily lose some viewers. I think what it would lose is um, 
I don't know. You don't want to lean into that. I like the trash talking a lot too. I think that makes it a lot of fun. And even Bischoff said that as well is like, heck he encourages that kind of stuff. But what he took exception with is what Tony Khan said about Ted Turner and uh, the results of like kind of uh, from Bischoff's perspective of Khan using some data to kind of make this more seem like competition. Now from Khan's perspective and from, WWE's perspective even, I'm saying this, is that WWE definitely considers AEW competition. They definitely do. Because you look at what they've been doing in reaction to what AEW's been doing. Um, obviously going up against them 30 minutes against uh, SmackDown and everything like that, I think kind of conveys their mindset of how they feel about AEW, whether they like it or not. But I also feel... Um, from uh, maybe a logistical perspective, AEW's got a lot of work to do to get to that level. But heck, if you're in the wrestling business, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with calling out the quote-unquote top dog in wrestling. And so obviously WWF is that, WWE is that, but there you go. Uh, so I would love, I would love to see Eric Bischoff and Tony Khan form an alliance and, and get things cracking where it's like, hey, let's use this mindset together. I don't even know if Bischoff has an interest in that. He probably doesn't. I don't know. Maybe he does, but um, I would love to see that happen. Yeah, definitely. So heck make it happen. <laughs> I'd be all for that. Um, definitely for that. So yeah, there's uh there's my thoughts on that. Uh, let's see if there's some other things I wanted to cover before. Um, somebody mentioned this earlier. Yeah, we'll go with this here is Miro bitter against the man upstairs still. Um, I think Steven mentioned this earlier. Steven, if you did say something, say something again about this. But uh, Miro basically running another promo about, you know, heck, you know, his, he's been forsaken by his God and all that stuff. And um, I think what he's doing is really, really cool. Uh, I'm a religious person, but I still think this is some neat aspect that you're going in there with. And, um, you know him. If you look, he had a he's had a crucifix all over his neck for months on end, months on end. It's God's favorite champion, everything like that, and you know, uh, it delivered a whole lot of fake piety when it came to like being God's favorite champion and like doing this for his God. Where in all actuality, he's just a bitter douche from a character perspective, a bitter douche that uh was using god as his well he believes i think the character believes that god was looking out for him and then he was turned on but i also feel like hey this guy's still misguided and had his heelish viewpoints where he was fake piety in a lot of ways but if you look he had a he's had a crucifix on for weeks on end and then that all changed this week if you look it's not a crucifix anymore it's his wife's wedding ring or his wedding ring perhaps wedding band that's what it is it's his wedding band so uh i thought that was really neat subtlety to add to it Miro's doing some great work so i think that was uh good stuff uh steven let's see what you get uh, yeah i will address this because i covered this uh what do you think about for glory thought we would see a titan the titan adam Shear. oh that's interesting is that what he's calling himself now i like that name the titan adam Shear. i think that's very cool uh and Bronson Reed at the pay-per-view. Steven, I will say this. Um, I did cover the show overall. And um, while there's some good aspects, I think that uh, you can take away from it. 
the primary takeaway was Trey Miguel winning the X division championship, I think, uh, because nobody in wrestling today epitomizes the X division better. And this is coming from a perspective of, you know, who's held it in the past and how the X division has been portrayed over time. Obviously there's never really been a clear cut definition of what the X division title is, but from how it's, been kind of established Trey Miguel is the perfect person to have this belt and champion to defend it now what I say I did take big exception with is how the show ended because you're looking to establish the face a new franchise player of uh impact wrestling uh you had Kenny Omega win the belt which brought some eyes to your product. And then you kind of made it a slower transition to by having a, a, a former star of impact wrestling and Christian cage win the title. So it just made perfect sense to somebody that you're building up like a Josh Alexander, who has a unique look, a great wrestling style, I think is very solid on the mic and, uh, somebody that people can get behind uh you have him going on arguably it's between slamversary and bound for glory as the biggest AEW show of the year you have him headlining your arguably biggest show of the year in bound for glory against an established star like christian cage doesn't it just make sense for him to win the title outright which he did but keep the title outright but instead what they did, and I don't like it, is they had Moose come out after winning his call your shot, the call your shot gauntlet, and beating Josh Alexander within a minute after he wins it, or five minutes after he wins it. Either way, it doesn't make sense because you have Moose, who you've put in the main event picture completely time and time again. In impact wrestling. And while Moose is very talented in the ring and uh has the look of perhaps a top star, like he does have a look that's great, but and he has a ring set for ring work that's amazing for who he is, an athlete, and he's got this athletic background too. Well, obviously as a football player and stuff like that. But for him to he's not good on the mic. He's not good at conveying a genuine personality. And uh, that's been a detriment to him. And I think that's been a reason why he's not been a top star in Impact Wrestling. And for them to go back to that well again and again, even the Call Your Shot gauntlet match makes zero sense to me. And I think is a step backward for Impact Wrestling. I like Impact Wrestling as a product. Uh, I think what they put out week in and week out is very good and very uh engaging I, it's a fun watch i think and it's fun to cover for me i actually kind of i do look forward to covering impact wrestling week in and week out um but there's a lot of stars and a lot of talent that they have in their cachet that they can use moose has had his chance moose has had his chance and he's not garnered people and he's not garnered uh, a fan base that you want to reestablish and be like, this is the guy you've, you've tried this with Moose and you haven't gotten it. Okay. Uh, 
you can get it, I think, with Josh Alexander. You can get it with a guy like Morrissey, W. Morrissey, who should have won that Call Your Shot gauntlet. And there you go. You have a, another top guy who's not only has – he's got a WWE background, but he's reestablishing himself. Him losing to Moose, it, I don't like it. I did not like the ending, and I just think it's unfortunate that they went that route because you, you've had spent – Weeks, months building Josh Alexander as one of your faces of Impact Wrestling as the X Division champion, him going option C and going up against Christian Cage, defeating him. And there you have your face, your new face of AEW. You didn't get that. It wasn't a good payoff. It seems short sighted. And I, I frankly, I just did not like it. And I just don't think Moose is a star that you should put your chips behind. He's talented in the ring. He's got a great look everything like that he needs a lot of work on the mic and uh, a lot of a lot of effort into conveying who he is uh i don't know where those limitations are if that's just from him or if he's just not if he just hasn't been cultivated in the right manner but moose has had his opportunities and i don't think he deserved this one at this point maybe uh, from a work rate perspective and like the effort he puts in i'm sure he did does deserve it from that amount, but ultimately wrestling again goes back to my how I opened the show was like promos and that kind of thing. Moose does not have it there. He has not shown it yet. And um if he's able to show that at some point and redirect course or whatever, uh then yeah, give him a run at it. But he's had runs at it and uh it just has not clicked. And I don't think it clicked this Saturday, past Saturday night on on TNA or Impact Wrestling. It felt TNA, uh, that end. So there you go. That's how I feel about that. Uh, let's see. King Doe says, Baron Corbin, I have a special relationship with Vince McMahon. I'm sure he does. Heck, I like Baron Corbin. King Corbin. He's not King Corbin anymore, is he? Happy, happy Corbin. Uh, people really trash Baron Corbin a lot. Uh, but overall, I, I kind of like who he is, and um, I think he's a good heel. Um, you know, even this Happy Corbin stuff has kind of been intriguing. Just as being a fringe viewer of all that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with Baron Corbin. And, I, you know, I bet he does have a special relationship with the man. There's nothing wrong with that. Because uh, Vince definitely sees something in him, obviously, because look how much he's used him over the course of time. So, good more power to him. You know, I hope the best for Baron Corbin. Heck, you know what? I hope the best for Moose, too. I just don't think it's uh, it's just not clicking with him. Uh all right, we're about closing out here. Oh, all right. You're just kind of trolling here. Little Wolf, Wolf Baron Corbin to AW confirmed. Uh, let's see here. Anything else I wanted to touch upon? Leo Rush, I'll touch upon real quick. Leo Rush tagged with Dante Martin. I think this is what where we're going here. Is it's going to be a great match ultimately between Leo Rush and Dante Martin. You're tagging right now. I don't think that's going to last long. I don't think uh, Dante Martin's not a heel. And I don't think he he would it would fit for him to become a heel unless you know I don't think I think he maybe could be capable of it, but uh, I just don't think that's the route they're going to take. So it'll be neat to see them all butt heads one on one because Leo Rush is talented in the ring, Dante Martin is very talented in the ring, uh, and I think yeah, in a lot of ways I'm sure Leo Rush is pretty darn good at mentoring uh, Dante Martin from an in ring perspective because he's silky smooth man and he can get shit done like that. Um. What else did I want to cover real quick? Yeah, Rush will turn on Martin. I agree with you. 
I agree with you, Stephen. No doubt about that. Oh, I, I'll, I know this is an AEW podcast, but I, I, I feel, I'm sure I can somehow tie this into, uh, to uh, AEW is the confrontation. Yeah, I definitely can. <laughs> I think about it. Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Wow, what a, what a situation, huh? Like that's wild. That's some wild stuff. Even pro wrestling, I think that's kind of wild. Uh, I mentioned this in the um, WrestleZone chat. I was like, if you're, I get it. And this goes to my point too about having an ego in wrestling. Both Becky and Charlotte should have egos. Because that's what makes them stars. Like that would helps bring them to that main event level. So from that just that base perspective, I think they should they should have egos and they should that's why they're there and that's what helps them get there. Now uh and obviously neither of them liked the aspect of switching belts just like that. I didn't like it. I think the only person that maybe likes it is Vince McMahon. And who knows why he feels that way? Maybe he just thinks it's a unique thing where in all actuality, it just lessens the value of the belts. Put your stars in, uh, obviously, a compromising situation and all that kind of thing. So from the perspective of like, hey, what's do- <laughs> let's switch belts. Have these two top heels who are arguably two of your top stars in all of your company not counting Roman Reigns, uh, switch belts and put them in a bad position to do that. Um, that's just, it's, it doesn't make sense to do. And, um, you know, I can't speak upon, you know, what's actually happened and, and things like that in between Becky and Charlotte, you know, obviously there's reports that like, um, Charlotte made Becky angry and, um, they took exception with, her throwing the belt down and that wasn't going as planned and things like that. But I can't speak to how their relationship is like overall heck. And I honestly, you know, even if they do have a contentious relationship, you know, and they were friends and stuff like that, you look who else had that in wrestling? What other top stars in all of wrestling had that situation and had tension between one another, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's money in that. Was there not? There was for years. There was talk about it. People talked about it for years, for years. But let me say this is if this is something that is contentious, obviously you're putting your stars in a compromising situation. But if this is something that is contentious and people and your top stars are having a problem with this, what does that say about your overall locker room dynamic in WWE? Uh, If this is something that you're putting your top stars in. it can't be a, an overall good dynamic for if your top stars are are having a problem what's that saying about everybody else you know from the mid card from the low card like from the bottom card up what's that say about everything else going on there's w overall i think over the course of these several years systematically has had a problem but you know uh obviously i can't speak to that from uh, actual their perspective, but heck, from an outsider perspective, from seeing how these reports are going, from reactionary stuff and how they overall handle their product, I don't think if you're a wrestler and you want to be a top, top star, you're going to be very positive about the dynamic that's going on in WWE right now. So 
there's my uh, elongated thoughts on that, Stephen. But thanks for bringing that up. I do like that question. Um, I agree with uh, yes, and you tie it into this is where I was going to go with that too. Is we may see in Charlotte in AEW soon. I think that's a pretty damn safe bet uh, because yeah, if Charlotte's not liking this stuff, and she's got obviously like a Cody Rhodes has a very strong family history in the business and knows how the business is supposed to work. Same with Becky too. Becky knows, knows her shit and she knows how things should be handled. Obviously like she's got her own viewpoints too, but Charlotte is another one too, that obviously W's, you know, hasn't treated her character properly. Hasn't treated her dad properly. Hasn't treated the titles properly. Because the the report was too that Becky was willing to lose clean to Bianca Belair, which would make had made plenty more sense in regards to not only keep preserving her star power, but further building Bianca Belair as a star, and further just establishing new people, new top stars in WWE. But that didn't happen, obviously. So and Andrade, obviously, is there in AEW. I'm sure she sees plenty of that positive side of the coin for that. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet, Stephen, is that we will see that. They ought to just, yeah, and I agree with you, too. They ought to just unify the women's titles, Becky Two Belts. I agree with you. That's what they should do. That's what they should have done. That's what they should do across the board with a lot of their belts, the world title included. Yeah, WWE Championship, you don't need a universal title. You don't need that. How much more intriguing would it be, and how much more intriguing matchups could you have if you just had one? world champion and how much importance would that make to across the board for your show overall wow uh this is an aw show but i did a lot of talking outside of aw this week but heck and i've been talking for a long time too damn this is like a regular ass show just me by myself though um i do have an announcement to make announcement to make if you like me by myself you're gonna start seeing that probably for an extra 30 more minutes each week because i will be doing a new show for Major League Wrestling on at WrestleZone, and it is called the MLW MLW Fusion Fight Report. If you're not familiar, I do write for MLW. Uh, I do their week. I've done their weekly recaps for the better part of two years, so I've followed the history of MLW from their previous underground shows in 2002 and three, uh, and have done uh, coverage of their underground shows. Uh, and I'm very familiar with the history of their product. And I follow, I faithfully followed their show each and every week uh, since I've started. And even before I've started, I was a, a fan of their work too. So uh, I'm doing a weekly report show on the ongoings of MLW. So if that's a product that you've been interested in getting into, uh, this is another way that you can familiarize yourself with it. I'll help you guys out. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to be running that show live or not. But uh, I will set up something where you guys can ask questions and do things like that because I'm very excited to get this show kicking and um, give my weekly recaps on what I think is the tightest wrestling product going overall uh, from from if you're a fan of how the business should be conveyed overall. I think MLW does the best out of anybody. Uh, they only do an hour show each week in, week in and week out. But that show is packed full of uh, treating uh, personas, characters, uh, importance of titles, uh, continuity, uh, callbacks, and a diverse 
way to portray wrestling because there's a lot of diverse ways to portray wrestling from a luchador perspective uh lucha underground perspective because uh if you've watched lucha underground uh the former dario cueto who is now cesar duran is in mlw and damn what a fascinating aspect that has been since he's shown up so yes i will next this thursday be on the lookout for the first episode of the mlw fusion fight report on wrestlezone.com so look out for that as far as interview goes uh colin tessier wrestlezone prodigy has interviewed tony deppin talking about roh and uh plenty more in that in that uh to to delve into tony deppin's one of uh i think a very cool star to uh keep your tabs on um in addition to that marcus and i had a two dynamite dudes special where we interviewed crowbar post his uh aew appearance on dark uh and he's what a, what a smart guy for the business uh and uh such a nice guy and huge star wars fan uh so give that a listen or a watch that's also on the youtube subscribe like do all that kind of stuff on youtube on uh on podcast your podcast option listening option of choice uh do all that kind of stuff uh i also like i said earlier i interviewed ethan page we talked about aw men of the year dan lambert uh chris jericho and we talked a lot about those figures and uh his avid fan as an avid figure collector and stuff like that so give that a, a watch or a listen as well um as far as anything else goes there's plenty of just go on wrestlezone.com we got a plenty of good stuff we try to do a thorough job at covering all outlets of the business when it comes to uh roh i think we stand out in a lot of regards when it comes to roh coverage colin tessier who i just mentioned does a great job of that um we have an roh show uh again we're gonna have that mlw show um I cover Impact week in and week out. And yeah, if you want to get a hold of me, obviously my Twitter is right in that corner there, uh, this way down below. Follow me on Twitter. Get a hold of me that way. Shoot me a DM. Uh, you can email me if you want to do it that way, the old fashioned way. If you want to send an extended message at D, P as in Paul, D, P as in Paul, D'Angelo at gmail.com. Feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, Otherwise, yeah. Uh, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Thank you for listening if you're listening later on. Uh, yes, as I said, uh, I appreciate you guys sitting through me opening my Roddy Piper They Live figure <laughs> to start off the show. And I very much appreciate all the engagement that you guys uh, bring to the show as well. So, um, oh, yeah. Steven, I'm glad you brought that up. Tony Nice sitting in the crowd. Yeah, I think that's a good talent to acquire. I think he's underrated. I I saw him, and I forgot I saw him back in 2015 at a House of Hardcore show, and what a solid, smooth talent um, that was underutilized in WWE. But him and of uh, Arya Davari had a fantastic uh, feud and relationship, uh, you know, in wrestling. And um, I'm very much looking forward to see Tony Nese in AEW. I think that was a cool cool tease to have i would love to see aria devario make it make you know his uh make some waves in aw as well because they talked about tagging together too post i not humble brag here i i was the first to interview aria devari after he became a free agent i was honored because like you know i love the work that he did uh in wrestling and i such a star in the making too is aria devari so um 
but yeah, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Marcus will be back later this week for what's going to be a Halloween episode. Ooh, spooky for uh, AEW. Two Dynamite Dudes. Oh. oh, MVP this week. MJF. My MVP is MJF this week. So there it is. Boom. Right there. But that'll do it for this week on Two, two Who? Dynamite Dudes on a Rampage. See you later on.